0: If you'd like to turn to 1 Corinthians 12. Now this um, passage is, as I say, 1 Corinthians um, 12 and 14 really are one argument uh, with 1 Corinthians 13 inserted in between them. Uh, I did wonder whether to actually do 14 next week and not 13 because they're the only two weeks we've got scheduled. Um, but I, I think 1 Corinthians 13 is there for a very good reason so um, I think I will uh, do 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and then we'll come back again to this argument in the, in the autumn I believe is what's planned but I haven't got a date for that yet um, and if you remember we saw last week that um, Paul has been um, discussing what can drive a church apart um, and what, how we how these forces can be resisted, and what makes a church united and one in the Lord. And so um, we're going to tackle this in the order Paul does, which is the um, overview of cha- in, which is really a chapter twelve uh, in chapter twelve. And then we have this beautiful presentation of Christian love next week. Well, it is a beautiful presentation, but it's also put there for a reason. We sometimes, I think, possibly take it out of context and forget that it is part of this one argument if a bit of a digression in one sense and of course there are a lot of technical issues about this what is prophecy what is a prophet and um, is anyone as I said at mentioned on Wednesday is anyone who prophesies for such as a woman can can a woman be a prophet for instance Um, because it does I think the only named prophet in the New Testament is Agabus but certainly women are described as prophesying in in the new testament and what are tongues and what are they for but actually i'm going to dodge all that tonight and uh, (laughs) leave all that stuff for chapter 14 i I will have a go at it but uh, i think that rather delve into all this technical difficulty at this stage it's better first of all to to focus on what's clear here and what um, paul really has to say to us and what we um and what's well what uh, you know what we can all agree on and uh all benefit from, and I suggest that noth- actually nothing divides a church like the spirit of unity. this was obviously the case in uh, Corinthians, and um happens so much today um, Christians are always accusing Christians of being unspiritual um it happens within local churches let's go to the next slide there happens uh, between churches of course and uh, fosters competition between them and factions Um, of course the charge might be true that there have to be divisions sometimes Um, I have even heard it said that um, people have been said oh don't don't come to Calvary because they don't believe in the Holy Spirit here Well, I hope that's not the case. If that were the case, they could very uh, truly accuse us of heresy. Um, But I can assure anybody who's worried about that that we do believe very much in the work of the Holy Spirit here. Um, But it's uh, how that works out that is sometimes a a cause for discussion and it's maybe even disagreement. Um, So it's... um, so there are dissensions and factions sometimes but sometimes there have to be but perhaps not for the reasons that Paul would approve of Um, it's true in the early church and it's true today and I'm sure that even Paul is conscious that actually by raising the issue at all in some ways he's just going to promote controversy and we might do the same but it is necessary to tackle this because if not we do land up with the chaos that's described in chapter 14. And um, that's what we need to to look at when we get there. Um, But Paul's fundamental point here is that the Holy Spirit is a spirit of unity, but not one of uniformity. Um, In the first verse, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers, um, about, well, the, the New International Version translates spiritual gifts But actually the word there is not charisma the usual word for spiritual gifts it's actually pneumaticon in other words just spiritual issues or spiritual things so he's saying I don't want you to be ignorant on on spiritual things or spiritual issues so the work of the Holy Spirit is to make us all like Christ I'm sure we could all agree on that but that's not the same as saying the work of the Holy Spirit is to make us all the same. I think it's a natural human tendency for us to want other people to be like us. We, we feel more comfortable that, with that, don't we? And often, we, we often don't see why what we find easy is a problem for other people. Um, some people find it easy to talk to outsiders cold um, I must say that's a thing I find very difficult. Other people have that gift naturally. Other people, uh, as um, Ben was telling us, have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. I, um, I always thought you had you know, from what I've seen. I have a real gift, Ben, of being able to talk to outsiders naturally. But okay, this is a work of the Holy Spirit. But others have not been so gifted. Um, some have particular insight into spiritual matters, in fact, distinguishing between spirits in verse 10 is described as a spiritual gift. Others find these things much more difficult. Uh, They find it difficult to to distinguish between what is true and healthy and what isn't. Um, Whatever we find easy to do, and even more what we've achieved through struggle, we tend to think that others ought to be able to do as well. And that if they can't, it's either because they don't have enough faith or they're not filled enough with the Holy Spirit, and we all, I think, tend to think like that sometimes. But Paul says, "This is not the way it works, and it's not even desirable that it should be." He says in what verses, chapter 12, verses 4 to 7, "There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working." But the same God works in all of them, in all men. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Note that he emphasizes to each one, not to some super spiritual elite. He clearly means to every believer here, to every Christian. Um, The Spirit, and then he says, the Spirit is manifested what does that mean when well, it means made visible in each believer but that manifestation if you like what is made visible the appearance is different in each case because he says at the end are all apostles are all prophets are all teachers do all work miracles do all have gifts of healing do all speak in tongues do all interpret but eagerly desire the greater gifts and now I will show you the most excellent way so Paul says it's actually right that we should all be different. Um, and uh, then in the rest of this chapter he's going on to really to expand this point and work it out and see what it means in practice. So he actually addresses a number of questions. Um, oops, sorry about the spelling spelling error in the second one there. Um, I mean he doesn't straight state the questions explicitly but if you look he's, he's kind of answering these questions and first question is are all spirits the holy spirit and then he says what are spiritual gifts and what are they for um, and uh, is, is there some in order of importance in spiritual gifts And then does the possession of some gifts, perhaps the more spectacular ones, or the more obvious ones, imply a particular filling of the spirit on the part of the person who holds it? And I'd suggest to you that's why chapter 13 is there and we'll come back to that. Um, And if these gifts, and this is the really tricky question, but this is the one we're gonna leave till chapter 14, if these gifts are really from the spirit surely it's unspiritual to try and control or organize them Um, well if you look in chapter 14 that Paul is saying that's exactly what you should be trying to do but I'm not going to look at that question tonight we'll come back to that when we come to question 14 so first things first are all spirits the Holy Spirit and that's the first thing that Paul reminds us that just because an activity seems spiritual it does not necessarily mean that it comes from the Holy Spirit and it's important to keep this in mind and I think what he said here is very brief dear friends do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God that's actually uh, John, Sorry, that's a, John's uh, version of the same thing um, sorry in verse 3 Paul says uh, "It's um, every spirit that's no one speaking by the spirit of God says Jesus be cursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit I think we need to be a bit um, careful how we interpret this if we look at other things that other writers say so I said, uh, John says do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they're from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world this is how you can recognize the spirit of God every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world so he is saying here it's not just a matter of mouthing the words Jesus is Lord or something like that uh, because the father of lies is quite capable of telling the truth when it suits him Um, but it's really what does the spirit attest to Um, and just to think of a couple of examples of that first of all in Acts chapter 16 uh, we read the story of a, a fortune teller and this girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting these men are the servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved she kept this up for many days you might have thought that Paul thought that was rather useful to have somebody going around shoot it, shouting this, but he didn't. He obviously thought that this spirit really was dishonouring the Lord who was preaching. And so it says, finally Paul became so troubled that he turned round and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. So that spirit, in a sense, was actually telling the truth, but in a way that was not honouring the 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 words that it was purporting to say and we might think of the words of Jesus himself who said not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of God of heaven but only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven many will say to me on that day Lord Lord did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles then I will tell them plainly I never knew you Away from me, you evil-doers. So the real question is not whether somebody mouths the words "Jesus is Lord," but whether the spirit or spiritual gift honors Jesus or dishonors him. And we need to distinguish between spirits. and in fact, as I've pointed out, this is itself a spiritual gift in verse 10, the ability to distinguish between spirits. But I think Paul's saying we all need to be clear on this perhaps we will need to seek guidance from those who uh, have this gift of discerning the spirits but um, we each need to be convinced in our own mind in verse 1 he tells everyone in the Corinthian church that they cannot afford to be ignorant in these matters now of course even the discerning between spirits can be a problem of itself when you come on to something like the Toronto blessing which uh, is going to cause a lot of argument one way or the other But um, anyway we need at least to first of all bear in mind that um, not all spirits, not all things that seem to be spectacular or spiritual actually are works of the Holy Spirit and we need to bear that in mind but then you think okay Paul has given himself a let out clause here and you might expect him to demonstrate that the more troublesome gifts and he seems to be having a particular problem with tongue speaking in chapter 14 um, well not in fact gifts of the Holy Spirit at all you might have thought he might say that but he doesn't in fact he emphatically does not do that he takes an entirely different tack And he says that in fact we should expect the spirit, the gifts of the spirit, to be different. Diverse is described in Revelation as the sevenfold spirit of God. Um, We actually have two lists of gifts here in verses 8 to 10, and then another one in verse 28. The lists are not the same, and they're not neither are they the same as lists that are given elsewhere for instance in Ephesians chapter 4 which focuses more on pastoral and evangelistic gifts um, both lists lists in Corinthians contain not seven items as we might have expected but actually eight Um, I would have expected there to be seven I thought I bet there's seven if I count them but then I did count them and there were actually eight in both lists Um, but the two lists do have a similar structure um, firstly are the word gifts and secondly the help gifts and thirdly tongues seems to come at the end under a kind of others. Um, but the tr- structure is clearer actually in the second list In prophecy is in a different place in the first list. So we'll come back to that later. But uh, what I want to point out in the first list and the verses that proceed, that have come before it, the emphasis is actually on the diversity and in fact even the term gift he thinks, charismata is not enough to describe what he's thinking of so he uses actually three different words he says in verse 4 he talks about gift, charismata in uh, verse 5 he talks about service, diakonos like uh, Phil was teaching us about a few weeks ago was it last week or the week, uh, two weeks ago and uh, in verse 6 he uses uh, yet another word energima from which of course we get our word energy Um, he's saying perhaps that the corinthians view of what was spiritual what is a spiritual issue is actually too narrow Um, if we think of just gifts spiritual gifts in a very narrow sense we need to be thinking of a broad range of workings of god what we might call charismata what we might call service what we might call workings at the same time it's clear that he is actually basically describing the same thing but he seems to give it th- so we've got to give it three different names in order to get a, a a broad enough view of what I'm actually what he's actually talking about here so it can be spiritual gifts it can be service it can be workings uh, but the p- important point is of course that um, Say there is this diversity to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. So, to each one, the manifestation is given for the common good. And that's the point he's making. This diversity is not so that everybody can do their own thing, but that, therefore, the common good that uh, these gifts, these workings, take place. so then he goes on to um, spiritual gifts and uh, asks what are they for um, as I said there are lists that he given um, but the point he makes that all these things are operations of the same God and of course he introduces his famous picture of the body I'm sure we're all familiar with this but it's uh, so I won't actually go through it in detail um, If the whole body is an eye, he says in verse 17, what use would it be? It simply wouldn't function at all. And Paul uses the analogy of the body actually to make a variety of points about the spiritual gifts. And so the first one is that all these things are operations of the same spirit. We all have one spirit. It's not that we were all baptized into different spirits or in different spirits. We were all baptized into one spirit the same water of life, it says we all drink of the same spirit, the same water of life is the same drink that feeds all the parts of the body and a body that has more than one spirit in it is schizophrenic isn't it or demon possessed a body can't have more than one spirit in it because if it does it will never function effectively it's a split it just, just won't work properly we say it's uh, mentally ill or Damaged, it's just not right. A body needs to have one spirit in it, and we do have in the body one spirit, and that's what we remember. We need to remember. And the second point he makes in verse 22 is that um, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Um, I thought about this a bit and thought, well, we might consider a poet to be more gifted than a plumber perhaps certainly in everyday life we talk about poets being gifted we don't talk about plumbers being gifted usually but on the other hand I might ask when did you last need to call out an emergency poet Um, probably you never have (laughs) but we've all had to call out a plumber in a hurry on occasions I'm sure God actually gives a special honor to those parts which seem less presentable whereas we tend to do the opposite don't we without poets certainly our cities will be impoverished but without plumbers they'd probably unravel altogether and we'd all be dying of cholera or something so yes God does give particular honour to the bits that we sometimes think are the least significant and the third point is he makes of course is that we need to take care of the whole body in verse 26 the eye can't say that a pain in the foot is nothing to do with me I mean it's just crazy it just doesn't make sense Um, if you hurt your foot then your whole body is in pain isn't it Um, the other way around as well if it says if one part rejoices then if, if, uh, if one part is on it every part rejoices with it if you If you win a medal at Athletics, it's not just your legs that celebrate. The whole of you celebrates if you saw some of those interviews and the Athletics on Saturday. He didn't interview just the uh, runner's legs or whatever. He interviewed the whole body and they rejoiced or that they'd won or uh, explain what had gone wrong, why they didn't win the whole body. And the final point he makes, of course, is this is all as God planned it. Um, I hope you'll forgive me, I've got a couple of, um, well, let's read the verse first. 1 Corinthians 12:18. In fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I'm afraid I've got a couple of engineering uh, uh, illustrations tonight. Uh, sorry for the two ladies present, but I think you'll know what they're about. Um, yeah, think of an aircraft, an aeroplane. An air, modern aircraft is a very deeply complex piece of machinery. Um, there's a whole branch of engineering called system engineering, which is just about the way in which systems work together. And um, an aircraft doesn't just consist of wings. If the aircraft is to remain in the air, each part must do its job properly. And also they've all got to work seamlessly together. If the wings are working somehow in competition to the tail or something, then it's never gonna fly properly. (laughs) They all have to work seamlessly together. And the thing about a system is that um, if one part breaks, then at least the system is very much degraded. It it won't work nearly as well. And uh, Murphy's law says if two or three things go wrong at once, usually the result is disaster. So, um, yeah uh, think of an aircraft perhaps each part has to do its own job properly and they all have to work properly together well of course it is the same as a body I I once heard Richard Vincent uh, describe a human as a a, um, what was it I can't remember the exact phrase now but basically as being made up of interlocking systems and that's right that is how a body works every bit of it has to work properly for the body to be healthy it's not just a random the church isn't just a random collection of individuals it's a complete body that's been created by God himself now you might ask then are all gifts more important in fact you might have thought that um, since Paul is trying to emphasize the unity of gifts Um, the unity of the body that he might have said that in fact they're all equal but actually he doesn't Um, he does give an ordering in the second list and you know we kind of know he means that because in verse 31 he tells us to desire the greater gifts and the word here actually is quite a strong one I think it's zeluo if that's the correct pronunciation Um, in fact the authorised version translates that word covet Uh, earnestly covet the greater gifts and actually I think that's a more accurate translation of the Greek it's a very strong word it means be zealous in seeking it can even mean envy and he's saying um, you really need to really be looking out for the greater gifts and the gifts might not arrive just arrive we might need to seek them earnestly um, I suppose there is where the body illustration perhaps breaks down because normally bodies are are um, born complete and if they aren't there's not much you can do about it but um, in the church God tells us to seek out those who uh, perhaps we need to complete the body if there's some ministry that needs, needs um, fulfilling we either seek within the church or maybe even try and get somebody from outside but We do need to be seeking the highest gifts. But if we're going to do that, then at least let's concentrate on the gifts that really matter. And so, what are they? And that's where this second list comes in. So, if you look at this second list, which is, um, let's get the right verse, um, yeah, in verse 28, so in verse 27, it says, You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it and then in verse 28 he says the following in the church God has appointed first of all apostles second prophets third teachers then workers of miracles also those having gifts of healing those who are able to help each other those with gifts of administration those speaking in different kinds of tongues and so on so the first three of these at least are numbered and um, it's clear since he's talking about desiring the higher gifts that it, he does mean at least some sort of ordering here um, whether he just regards the first three as ordered and then that the the, the, the um, then word, the word that's translated then means then in the sense of after that so following on from that so you can um, perhaps he means the first three are singled out because he gives them numbers and then the others are regarded as equal or perhaps the ordering is intended all the way through um, but certainly the structure hinted in the first list is more explicit here, because the, th- the, th- the first three are word gifts, apostles, prophets, teachers. And then there are four help gifts, miracles, healings, helping others, administration, and then on the end, tongues. And perhaps we uh, shouldn't push the ordering too hard, but certainly there is an ordering here. And of course there are other gifts, um, e.g. music. Um, I don't think music actually comes in any of the gifts lists of the gifts of the spirit and yet certainly in Ephesians Paul tells us to address each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs so they must have had some sort of worship leaders or something of that nature to lead the singing um, But so of course there are other gifts but the ones given here I think to serve to make the point that he's trying to make and why does he list these first three first? Well I think it's because, um, let's just check where well, I need to change the slide, sorry. Um, sorry, I'm just wondering if I've not marked my, Oh, no, that's right, no, that is the last slide, yeah. Um, so firstly, Christianity is is a religion of the word, isn't it? Jesus is the word, and he tells us his words are the words of life he doesn't tell us in a sense yes he tells us to abide in the vine but he says you do that by keeping his commandments um, he says that it's the words the word of life in the parable of the sower the seed is the word so those who administer the word of God are honored first in the church it says in uh, 1 Timothy 5:17, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Now, whether double honor means they get a payment bonus or something else, again, people argue about, but uh, uh, certainly it does say that the work of preaching and teaching is specially honored within the church. Um, But also vital to the church are those gifts who is to help others in various ways and keep things running smoothly and we remember that the Lord is also described as the one who went about doing good. And uh, in Acts 6, of course, as again we looked at when we were looking at deacons, Acts 6, verse 1 to 5 says the following, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together, this is the twelve apostles, of course, who regarded said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables so let me make the point there that the gift of apostle is a word gift one who administers the word of God in a special way and takes it is sent to teach it brothers choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom we will turn this responsibility, distributing the food, over to them, and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So, the ministry of the word does take the first priority, but the church must be organized, and the suffering of those who need it must be alleviated. So, these are also jobs for those full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. They're certainly not meant to be left to the feckless and worldly minded. So returning to 1 Corinthians 12, at the end of the list, Paul mentions tongues. Now I'd suggest to you this serves as a representative of a gift that, except in special circumstances, and there are special circumstances where it's different, but except in special circumstances, it's mainly a gift of personal benefit. That's what um, he says in chapter 14, verse 5. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues but I would rather have you prophesy he who prophesies is is greater than one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so the church may be edified the thing about the gift of tongues it is mainly one of personal benefit except to say in certain circumstances Um, in other words it's uh, in a sense you can take it or leave it that's what he's saying um, again, I think you might. I've got another engineering applica- uh, illustration here, but I think we're all familiar with this one. Think of a motor car. Um, there are some parts of the car, aren't there, that are actually absolutely fundamental to its operation. If you don't have engine and gearbox and transmission and wheels and steering, then that car is not going anywhere. And we could perhaps think as far as the. Um, as a car is concerned that the word gifts are the car, the engine of the car, the bit without which it's not gonna move. But there are other parts to the car which are not quite as fundamental, but which it's certainly not safe to do without. And so one can think of brakes or lights or windscreen wipers. And we could think of these perhaps as representing the help gifts. And of course the church can't operate properly without these, any more than the car can operate properly without these. If a policeman notices that your uh, seat belts aren't working or your headlights aren't working he's going to stop the car because he can see that you're not able to drive safely. The car cannot operate safely with, um, if you haven't got headlights. But then there are other parts of the car which are really not vital but which do make your journey more comfortable. And um, or more pleasant and you can think of the um, air conditioning or the car radio um, no one was ever stopped by the police for having a faulty car radio I don't think they ever were and perhaps that's from what Paul is saying is that tongues come into this category Then, generally speaking they are, might be a nice thing to have but they're not really vital to the operation of the church and I think that's what Paul's actually getting at here except in certain circumstances and he does mention an exception in chapter 14:21, and I think when we come to 14 we'll look at when um, how, they, how tongues can be assigned for unbelievers but in, as far as the general operation of the church is concerned um, they're not really vital to it and therefore if you do what the Corinthians were and make tongues too important a gift as uh, unfortunately some Christians have done and it's only going to cause splits and dissension and um, of course as I say there may be times when it's different I, I, you can envisage times when a car radio would be extremely useful if you get news of uh, you know an, an accident on the road or of a flood or something or that a bridge is down then uh, you know, the car and that sort of circumstance then it would be very useful but these are special circumstances not in the way that the um, uh, the car normally proceeds and not in the way that the church normally operates because the point Paul is making of course here is that these gifts are not for personal benefit um, but they are that we should be concentrating on those gifts that build up the church and uh, so he tells us to covet the higher gifts those that are most vital to the church I'm sure is what he means by that and um, if we are not sure which then Paul tells us first word ministry secondly helping others and you'll notice in 1 Corinthians 14 he he picks up from the list eagerly desire spiritual gifts especially the gift of prophecy he doesn't say apostle um, possibly suggesting you can't really aspire to be an apostle um, because they are specifically those who have seen the Lord and are appointed by the Lord directly but he says you can aspire to be a prophet he says eagerly desire to be a prophet now then of course you wonder you have to worry about what this actually means and we'll think of that but certainly if we think in at least the job of a prophet is to declare the Word of God to people so it's not wrong to aspire that to that gift in fact it's something that Paul says that it, you can eagerly desire that gift but Paul but the spirit doesn't make everybody a prophet and it wouldn't be good if he did he um, says that all the parts of the body are vital Um, and uh, that I say we often need to give special honor to those which are perhaps less obvious because that's what what God does but still he does tell us to be a to seek the higher gifts and I'm sure what he means by that those that are the most benefit to the church Um, but even here at this point Paul realises perhaps that a word of warning is needed Um, he's told us to be zealous in seeking the gifts that's probably the best translation of zealous. but zeal can be a dangerous thing can't it and um Paul wants to make it clear that he's not instigating a rat race. He's not saying that you should all be uh, climbing over each other to be the head prophet or whatever. <laughs> and neither does he want fanatics. Some kinds of zeal can be very dangerous indeed. And fanatics who um, ignore everybody else who are so convinced they're right that um, you know, they take no notice of what anybody else says. Common sense, even he doesn't want that either. Are so full of their own importance that they won't listen to every, anybody else. and not what are wanted. And again, in 1 Corinthians 14, he says about about prophets. Another one stands up; the first should sit down, and two or three should be considered. What consider what is said. So he needs to be cautious about this zeal that he's asking. He says, "Yes, desire the higher gifts, but." you need to do it in a particular way it's a particular kind of zeal that's required and it's that zeal which is characterized by love follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts is what he says so for that reason we have this um, chapter 13 interpolated there as as it were to explain what he means by that how we should be desiring the gifts In the way that it's done, well, I won't preach next week's sermon because we're going to look at this next week. But that's what Paul is telling us to do: that we are bound together by love. We are bound by the Spirit, but in practice, that binding is a binding of love. And um, if we do it any other way, then it's not the the, it's not the Spirit, who is the Spirit of unity. So let's uh, say we'll pick this up next week and then later in the autumn we'll look at some of the technical issues. But uh, let's uh, seeing This is the same hymn.